I'd like to welcome everyone to the Pacific Institute's Kitchen Table. The intent of the Kitchen Table is to provide a platform where we are able to share and discuss the dynamic world of cognitive science and the specific role it plays in performance. I'd like to introduce our co-hosts, Greg Coughlin and Ron Medved from the Pacific Institute. They have over four decades of experience working with hundreds of organizations on applying cognitive psychology and science. Pull up a chair. Let's get started. Pacific Institute, for those that don't know, is a pioneer educator in the field of applied psychology and have have taken concepts from the field of cognitive psychology primarily and uh, translated them into education and and, uh, has pioneered introducing that, especially to the business community, but uh, uh, they also pioneered uh, video education. and uh, train the trainer system. So Pacific Institute has a long history now going on, you know, 46, 47 years of, of uh, teaching psychology to adults and developing the sort of systems to, uh, to go with it. When you, um, you know, for many people that know the Pacific Institute, they are certainly are connected to the founder, Lou and Diane Tice. Can you tell us a little bit about both, you know, Lou, uh, you know, how he came about this and also, you know, your relationship with him? Well, Lou Tice, um, I think Lou and I both have our roots in in a similar place in that uh, I was introduced to uh, the field of psychology through sports psychology. I was a professional uh, NFL player, uh, football player, and I was in the early days of sports psychology, I sort of got hooked on, you know, the mental side of the game. Lou uh, uh, was an educator, uh, and uh, uh, but he was also a football coach. And, and when he studied for his master's degree, uh, he came across uh, a lot of the information, uh, you know, that we're teaching even to this day, the information from cognitive psychology. And Lou was primarily interested in, you know, using it with, uh, you know, with his sports team. So uh, sports is a common thing that we have together. Uh, uh, But when when Lou left education and and I was out of football uh, and the Pacific Institute was just starting up, uh, uh, really it was taking these concepts and uh, taking them to the business community, the, the, uh, corrections community, the government community, the education community. And, you know, in in a very short period of time, uh, Lou was teaching these education concepts from psychology to everybody in the community. Mm -hmm. What do you think was, um, I mean, so what I, what I understand about that is that really Lou's interest in performance and the, the application of, applied cognitive psychology contributed to the performance, whether it was for kids in school or whether it was kids on the football field or, or the broader community that you inventoried. Um, you know, I have my own opinion on this, but you've been, in my recollection, the longest serving member of the Pacific Institute's team so far. And so you have a great history of, of what was significant about Lou. But if you articulated why 
why was Lou and the Pacific Institute so good at what they did? And, and I, I mean, and even to the point of why are we still good? What was the uniqueness of us? Well, I think a lot of the credit goes to Lou Tice. I mean, Lou, even when I met him, you know, way back in the day, uh, he was a marvelous teacher. Uh, and he, he he's uh, proven himself to be one of the great teachers of all time, you know, in the field of applied psychology. But Lou was really uh, a couple things. I mean, he had a purpose about himself. He knew that if people you know, understood themselves better, understood how their mind works better, uh, and how that connected to performance, uh, uh, that, um, uh, well, he understood that, and he really cared about that, and so he was driven to sort of, you know, get get the education to as many people as possible, and then I, I think Lou was also very keen on application. You know, it's one thing to know mm-hmm. uh, a lot of this information; it's another thing to sort of be the information or or, or to practice the information. And so, that was always the uh, acid test with the business community, for example, uh, and anybody that was you know interested in in improving performance is, you know, where the rubber meets the road, you know, how does this information on psychology connect to sort of real world results? Yeah. Do you know, uh, you're triggering a number of sort of things for me, and I'm really glad that you articulated sort of his mission or his purpose. It's one of the things that I've been attracted to personally is that, you know, the one of the first times I met Lou he was asking us the question of, you know, what is our unique value proposition or what is our, our purpose? And he was challenging us to be able to see if we can get that down to, you know, 10 words. And then could you get it down to five words and could you get it down to one word? And so the attraction that I had based on his modeling was that he always was in the business of making a difference. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, I played with that. They said that my, I, I said, well, I, I think I'd like to be able to be able to add so I could get it down to one word add, and then I could get it down to one symbol is the addition symbol. But then I thought through it and, and I thought, you know, actually what I'd rather do, and this is premised by what I could see from Lou was it wasn't just add, it was actually multiply. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was always struck with the sort of position that Lou pioneered in social entrepreneur in that the business was about making money, but a lot of that money was designed to be able to make a difference in a social application. Mm-hmm. So capturing that is that, you know, uh, the Pacific Institute's attraction to me was really about its, its work and its mission and its purpose. And it was really kind of of a mind of making a big difference. But now, you know, just to echo what you said is that I think my my recollection of Lou and his skill set was I think he was a master teacher. And in that teaching, uh, you know, I often looked at it as that great teachers t- can take complex theory and 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 in this particular case, complex cognitive theory, 
and understand it well enough to translate it in a way that the learner could get it. Right. So I often kind of visualize Lou's gifting as a great translator of information, complex information, and making it simple so that the learner can increase their knowledge. Right. You know, the second piece that you mentioned, Ron, that I think is really highly worthy of, of amplifying is he was also a, a gifted and, and, a, and a very uh, passionate coach. And for me, the passionate and gifted coach ensured that there was a dedication to the application of the knowledge. Right. And so the application of the knowledge came from either his storytelling, his uh, concepts or principles that he taught in, or, you know, coming up with tools or practices that enabled the learner not just to get the information to apply it and drive to a result. How do you feel about that? Oh, I think that's, that's really true. And, and uh, you know, the thing about Lou as a coach, uh, one, uh, one thing that uh, I do know that he used to like to do as a coach when he was, you know, coaching football is, is – uh, have coaching meetings and coaching meetings are usually meetings in the evening uh, after practice where he and his assistant coaches would sit around and they, they brainstorm about the opponent that was coming up or they'd be uh, suggesting plays to each other and strategies to each other. Uh, And uh, this is kind of leading us into the subject of the kitchen table, Greg, because uh, I think that, the kitchen table, uh, which uh, which 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 is was a lot like a coaching session. It was a lot like you know coaches sitting around and brainstorming and talking. And uh, they say coaches, sports coaches, have long days. Well, they have long days because they spend a lot of time doing what they love the most, which is talking about yeah. talking about application, talking about you know the you know the game that's coming. So. Uh, we used to have those coaching sessions at the Pacific Institute. We, we, we call them kitchen table. Yeah, let me pause you before you get there because I'm excited about your explanation on it. But uh, I do, I, I love the way that you've just drifted into that. But I, I want to come back to and hold ourselves accountable. So what we've established is that the Pacific Institute's really mission and purpose is to make a big difference, whether that's to add or multiply, but that was always what was seen to attract us to it. But we are also good at translating information into knowledge, into application. Um, I'd like to come back and, and sort of hold you accountable to what are some of the, the stories that you think rep, really represent the Pacific Institute. So I'm going to table that. But when we were preparing for this podcast, you gave an imagery of the kitchen table that I, you know, for the listeners on this, you might be wondering why, why is this called the kitchen table? What's the significance of that? So do you mind trying to replicate our, our pre-call on this in terms of why the kitchen table, what is the kitchen table? What's its significance? And so, you know, imagine. Well, um, I was a vice president at the Pacific Institute for seven years, uh, and uh, I have a much longer career than that. I, I spent most of my career out in the field uh, as a project director working on projects. Uh, but when I was a vice president at the corporate offices, 
uh, every morning at 7 a.m., we would have uh, a coaching a coaching meeting, so to speak. You know, the, uh, we, would, we would all convene at the fifth floor at the Pacific Institute. And I can remember uh, uh, waking up in the morning, uh, being excited, uh, shaving, showering, j- uh, jumping in my car, grabbing a cup of coffee and, you know, driving, uh, you know, a half an hour to the Pacific Institute because the highlight of my day every day was this seven o'clock meeting, which is where we all came together. Uh, whoever was there was, it was usually Lou. It was, you know, it was, uh, Oftentimes, Jack Fitter was there, the president of the Pacific Institute, myself, uh, other associates of the Pacific Institute. A lot of times we had guests from out of town. Uh, you know, we used to, we used to have a, a, a apartments and hotel suites inside the Pacific Institute where out-of-town guests would stay. And so everybody knew that everyone was to, coffee was brewing and everybody would be up and ready to go at seven o'clock and whoever was there, uh, we all, we convened and we probably, we spent 60 minutes to 90 minutes every morning talking about sort of the affairs of the day. And Mm -hmm. and that's what we ended up calling the kitchen table. Mm -hmm. Do you know, I just, I've only been with the Institute for 20 years as opposed to your 40 years. And uh, you know, when you start to talk about the kitchen table, being from Canada uh, and being from away, I only got to participate when I was visiting. In my first several, you know, first five or six years, I was there quarterly, and and I held the same uh, um, forethought in terms of a positive expectancy to the kitchen table, uh, largely because it was. Uh, an invited group of people that were not formally invited, it, they just showed up. And I think that was part of the magic to it. Uh, the second part that I just was, you know, so uh, in admiration of was that if you were a guest or you were a visiting associate or you were a speaker, you, you generally got the floor. And so it really inst- established um, – a sort of a, a cultural norm that your your voice we want to hear from it we want to right. hear you right uh, what i particularly liked about the kitchen table and i guess that's you know kind of one of the reasons why ron and i are excited about this opportunity to engage uh you as listeners and you as a, either um past clients of the Pacific Institute, current clients of the Pacific Institute, or potentially, you know, people that are just interested in what we're doing, is that we wanted to share the dialogue uh, because it seems like in work environments where you have a discussion, you're trying to force an outcome. And in in this format, the, the kitchen table was, I would say, and I don't know whether you'd agree, Ron, but it was in a sort of a dialogue format that it sort of uh, ideas, insights, learning sort of popped out. It wasn't like it was in, you know, we drove to that. It was that it just popped out. Uh, how do you feel about that? I mean, do you have the same impression and recollection? Yeah, 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 pretty much. I mean, it, it, uh, the kitchen table every morning, you know, was without agenda. 
Uh, I must say, though, that sometimes uh, Lou came to the kitchen table sort of with his own agenda. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, if he was working on a, a teaching concept and, and he wanted to try some ideas out on us, uh, you know, he practiced teaching, you know, some new concepts with us. I mean, we were we were that ready audience. And, and so sometimes uh, sometimes Lou took the lead. But uh more often, it was open-ended, and uh, whoever whoever had the, the energy that day, whoever had sort of the, you know, the thing that they, they needed to talk about or that they wanted to introduce, you know, kind of the topic of the day, the, it, it was like the business of the day too, you know, we would, we would talk business every day, you know, the Mm -hmm. things that were, that were currently on the front burner on the stove on our, you know, our business every day, but it really shifted. I mean, there were some days we, uh, we certainly, we certainly gave priority to the guests. Anybody that was there as a guest was a guest of honor. And like you said, Greg, um, we would, uh, uh, the business of the day, uh, but, just as often we would talk about the dreams of the day. I mean, there was a lot of uh, idealism, you know, that was discussed around the kitchen table. Uh, we, we, we would talk about uh, spiritual matters. We would talk about sort of the, the higher purposes of what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, we had, we had very worthy initiatives, you know, going all the time. I mean, because Pacific Institute was taking psychology not into not just into business, but it was taking it into the the correction system and working with inmates, you know, in prison, you know, as well as not just the inmates, but with uh, you know the parole over the officers, you know, the, uh, the 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 wardens in the system itself, and so uh, it was just there there were there there were military projects that we were involved in uh you know veterans returning from the combat theater and you know we were involved in projects that dealt with sort of helping soldiers overcome ptsd you know uh and then we always had a few sports projects and we had business projects and government projects and so it was just a rich discussion uh you know you know and, and we did we did obviously need to focus on business every day yeah well you've done a nice job of not only uh talking about the kitchen table but also uh introducing to some of the listeners our broad audience and client group that we work with both in public and private sector and sports and and uh prisons and communities and countries i want to just sharpen the the point on the kitchen table's purpose just and then if you are up for it i'd like to come back to so kind of back to the pacific institute and some of the stories about us you know when you were talking about the kitchen table and sort of the purpose um my first introduction to lou personally was an interview that i did to join the pacific institute and and um one of the things that was striking about that was, I guess, twofold is one, I was so um, overwhelmed with meeting sort of my, um, you know, uh, teacher that I was um, being quite pretentious. I was, I could feel myself pretending to say, what do you think Lou wants me to say here? Mm -hmm. Um, And I was catching myself in sort of an out-of-body experience 
watching myself, you know, not being who I am. So at, at some point, I don't know what happened, but I clicked into, I'm just going to be who I am. And soon as that seemed to reveal, I revealed myself who I really was. Lou asked me a question that it was sort of a, uh, like I, I, I wouldn't, I wasn't sure how to answer it because whether authentically or pretentiously, and he said, are you an idealist? And, uh, you know, in the, the processing of that was, well, if I say that I'm an idealist, am I, am I egotistical? But if I don't say I'm egotistic, idealistic, am I, you know, am I passionate? And so I went with my authentic nature and I said, yeah, I'm an idealist. You know, I think in ideals. And, uh, you know, Lou didn't react, you know, card player that he was. He didn't react in any significant way. But I did feel confident that that was he was he was uh, comfortable with that answer, and it plays into what I just adored about the kitchen table was it was a space to be idealistic. You know, yes, there was business things, but I just adored the fact that you could dream there, you could imagine there, uh, and it was a license. So I I think about you know your drive to work. And you're thinking the best part of my day is just about to happen because I get to dream. I get to be idealistic. I, I get to get engaged in my conversation with my with my colleagues. Um, you know, the other thing that I think was, you know, really part of that was the in, in invitation of, of other voices. And so within our kitchen table, we want to be able to create a dialogue. And so the listeners will be hearing sort of our our viewpoints and our ideas, but we're also intending to invite different guests in uh, and hear their voice and add Mm -hmm. to it. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast with the Pacific Institute. If you like what you heard today, click the like button, or perhaps share this podcast with friends and family. For more information on TPI or how to get in contact with us, please visit www.tpikitchentable.ca. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. See you next time at the kitchen table.